Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with me, turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Amen. I have a word from the Lord for our church today. And um, it's the one good thing, y'all, I got to tell y'all. We're getting ready to go into three months of some of the best preaching you've ever heard in your life. Amen. I don't know about the rest of the time of the year. But when I get in that deer stand and I have alone time with God and I got my little Bible, whew, I just get some good stuff. Amen. I just get some good stuff. Amen. And uh, have a little bit more time to st- spend in studying. I don't know what they did without iPhones. But, uh, you know, I have six Bibles on my iPhone. I also have our English, Greek, Hebrew lexicons. I love, I love the Bible. I love the word of the Lord. Amen. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature, and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down, and he received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all murmured, and when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he has gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. But notice this, Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore it him fourfold. And when Jesus said unto him, This day salvation's come to this house, for so much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. For just a little bit today, I want to preach from this topic. Zacchaeus just wanted to see. Zacchaeus just wanted to see. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you today for your goodness. Father, I thank you today for your mercy. Father, I thank you today for your grace and your strength. God, I ask that you would anoint me today to preach your word. God, and I'd ask that you'd anoint us today to hear and to receive your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Zacchaeus just wanted to see. When I was a kid, we used to sing this song, and it went like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And the Lord said, You come down, for I'm coming to your house today. 
Here's the thing. As a young man in Sunday school, I knew about Zacchaeus and that he was short in stature. I knew that. We learned that. It was in the song. We knew that Zacchaeus was short. But there's a few things about Zacchaeus that my Sunday school teacher left out that I would like to share with the church body today. Yes, Zacchaeus was not very tall. Yes, Zacchaeus was a man that, that worked in the tax industry. But another thing about Zacchaeus that we got to understand is that he was of the lineage of Abraham when it came to being an Israelite. Zacchaeus was the Israelites of Israelite because he was the son of Abraham. He was of Abraham's lineage. Now, to understand Zacchaeus and to understand this climate, we've got to properly understand the church climate, and I will dig into that in here in just a minute. In this particular hour and age, this is after Alexander the Great had come through and did some conquering. And now we've got the Greek influence in Israel, in Jerusalem now. This is called the um, Helotean period. And so... You've got the Greek influence, and not only that, you also have the Roman influence because the Romans were now occupying Jerusalem and Israel. And so the, the Romans were in charge. The Romans were the dominating force, but yet they still allowed them to have their religion. And so Zacchaeus was of the son of Abraham, of the tribe that Abraham lineage was, but you got to understand that Zacchaeus was the chief of publicans. In other words, what this means is that Zacchaeus was a traitor to his country of Israel. Not only was he a traitor, it was because he worked for the Roman Empire. And not only was he a traitor, he was also a crook. He not only worked for the Romans, but he took advantage of the Israelites. Caesar said, I need 10 shekels. And Zacchaeus said, you need to give me 12 shekels or you're going to jail. And Caesar got his 10 and Zacchaeus got his 2. And everybody said, Zacchaeus is a traitor and Zacchaeus is a crook. As a matter of fact, that was a very common practice among publicans, very common. The publicans were among the worst of the worst. They were traitors and they were crooks. After all, Zacchaeus, the chief, the the jefe, the boss, the grand salame, he was a great, great crook. People hated Zacchaeus. People identified Zacchaeus as one that was ripping them off. The reason they were being taxed so high is because in Jericho, there was an abundance of a wax that came from a tree called balsam. And balsam is where the rest of the world got their spices and their uh, 
their, their perfumes and the healing balm of Gilead. How many's ever heard of that? The balms, that's, it came from that balsam, which, which was an abundance of the trees that were in Jericho. And so Jericho was an affluent area. And so Zacchaeus knew of that affluence, and so Zacchaeus just kind of capitalized on the finances that was coming through. Am I preaching that bad that everybody's got to get up and walk out? My gosh, I guess I'm preaching bad today. <laughs> I'll get back. Ah, hallelujah. Now I'll get into the core of my message here in a second, but I, I'm trying to set up, I'm trying to set up the history here. So you've got the Roman Empire, and they're governing the laws of the Israelites. And then they're taxing them. But not only are they taxing them, they're using the Israelites to work and to do their duty for them. And anybody that worked for the Roman Empire was very bad. So now you've got, let's get from there, let's get to the church. Okay, the church people. You had three different sects in the church. You had the Pharisees, everybody say the Pharisees. You had the Sadducees, everybody say the Sadducees. And then you had the Zealots. The Zealots were Pharisees that were anti-Roman rule. And so they used violence and they were against the Romans. And they believed the kingdom of God should be taken by force. And so really they were really the first terrorist they were causing uh, chaos in the name of religion the second group was the Pharisees and I want everybody to listen very closely because when we start seeing these three different groups we're going to begin to see the church age and where we are today the Pharisees, they were a group of believers that was political, very involved in politics. But not only was it a political force, it was also a social force. They believed in ritual and tradition and routine and the importance of family name being passed down from generation to generation to serve in the church. And so in a particular synagogue, there was no room for anybody that was outside of their belief system, but also outside of their family name. And so if you were not in the right political affluent society, you were not allowed into that synagogue. You were not allowed into that portion of the temple. Now, most people could go to the pimp temple to the wall and pray, but they were not necessarily allowed to move into and make sacrifice. The second group, or the third group really, starting off with the zealots is what we talked about, was the Sadducees. Now, this is really what's hit home with me. The Sadducees were religious. They were social. They were economically secure. They were pro uh, 
Alexander the Great. They were pro the Greek influence in the church. They were fine with money and things and sports. They were fine with all these things, but under no circumstances were you going to outroot their family and their children because family in the Sadducean sect was more important than even the belief of God himself. So we see a very narrow-minded approach to the kingdom of God as we look at the church. And we can see why Jesus spent so much time with other people. And the church and the Sadducees and the Pharisees were disrupted because Jesus was not going to the who's who of religion. Jesus did not spend time with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so this absolutely disrupted them. There was little room for the outcast. There was little room for the backslider, backslid. There was little room for those that are broken and those that were poor and those that were sick. Judaism had become nothing more than a ticket to heaven based on rules and routine. You see, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had it down from top to bottom. They had it all together. Don't you understand that the Pharisees and the Sadducees could quote the book? They knew the book. And not only that, they were good at judging people because after all, that's what they did. They were Pharisees and they were Sadducees and they were those that had self-appointed themselves as judges. Now here's the funny thing about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. To the Sadducees, they believed the Pharisees were wrong and the Pharisees believed that the Sadducees were wrong and so they had a big division. Hey, it sounds a lot to me like Pentecostals and Baptists. I may step on some toes today, but that's what it sounds a lot like to me. The Pentecostals and the Baptists. Uh, they looked over and they said, my family is more important than your family. And my church is more important than my church. Uh, my mama did this and my daddy did this and my grandparents did this, so I do this. Why do you do this? I really can't tell you exactly why I do this, but I just do it. But if you don't do what I do, you're going to hell. If you don't go to this church and you don't look like this, you're not going to go to heaven. you got to go to heaven my way because my way is the only way and yet the Pharisees over here said oh those Sadducees over there look at them they're going to hell look at them they're letting the Greek influence into their church look at them they look at sports look at them they go to the arenas look at them folks the climate of the church has not changed one iota since Jesus stepped his feet on planet earth we still got the condition of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And I got bad news for all of them. They got it down from top to bottom. 
they can look you in the eye and they can say, what does it mean to you? Eternal security. And then you got the other ones that said, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. But God forbid some of them talk in tongues in church. Some of them don't want to hear no tongues in church. Some of them don't want no exuberant worship in church. getting on the Pentecostals and I'm getting on the Baptists today. You ain't safe today. (laughs) Judaism was nothing more than routine and ritual with no relationship. Y'all, I've come today to preach to you. You're bun- can, can hit the ceiling of the church when you walk through the door. But that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. And you can trip over your skirt length as you walk through the door, and that doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You can, as a matter of fact, get in your closet and pray 15 hours a day, and that doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven because, after all, that's what they did. It was out of routine and ritual. And we talk about Jesus talked about praying out of routine, saying stuff you don't even know, just doing it to do it so you think you can punch a ticket to get to heaven. And they didn't just do that to punch their ticket to get to heaven. They did that to punch their ticket so they could judge everybody else. Matter of fact, in Mark chapter 7, let's look at that, Brother Corbett. Can you pull that up for me? For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of the pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. They have rejected the whole word of God just to keep their traditions. All right, verse 10. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corbin, kill. That is to say, A gift by whatsoever thou mightest be, profiteth by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to to do what for his father or his mother. Now, I don't have time to get into that. This is a different lesson in itself. But Jesus was using the word to pinpoint to them and say, don't you see that your traditions and and your non-loving approach to the word of God is killing the society in which we live. Keep going a little further, Brother Corbin. Let's go down to, let's, let's just keep reading. And when he had called all the, go back, go back. Matter of fact, let's go back to, uh, I know we 12. Can we go back to 13? Is that too hard to do? I'm sorry about this. I just want you all to get the whole grasp of this. I'm almost done. Everybody say Amen. Making the word of God. Notice what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and Sadducees right here. He said, your traditions and your approach has made the word of God of none effect 
through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Jesus said, don't you understand you've traditionalized God so much that he has no effect and no room in your life. See, there's people that showed up to Sunday morning service today just because it's what they do on Sunday. And they'll walk out the door not feeling God. Matter of fact, they'll walk out the door not feeling God, not caring to feel God. But because their hair is fine and their face is fine and their skirt is fine and they think everybody thinks they're fine they're going to walk out of the place today and God has made no effect in their life don't you understand the Pharisees and the Sadducees were divided so that they would go back and forth that they absolutely minimalized the role of the Levite in their lives. They said, I got it all under control. I don't need a preacher. I don't need a pastor. When I serve Jesus in my own way, I don't need a pastor. No! You've got to have a pastor because you've got to have a word from the Lord. So these people that think they can assassinate ministries, God forbid, they're making the power of God of none effect in their life. Because how can they hear without a preacher? How can you hear without a preacher? You've got to have a pastor. You've got to have a preacher. You've got to have a church. You've got to have brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen, 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 amen. Folks at this church, I'm just going to make it very clear. That way everybody knows. If somebody is in any ministry, we do not assassinate them. We do not cop attitudes with them. If, If they correct your child in a way you don't like, I'm sorry. They had your child back there while you were in here getting the word. And you're going to be happy with the way they corrected them. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. If Brother Justin and Sister Paige do something on a Wednesday night and your child, uh, I don't know, I'm just trying to think of a scenario. And you're not quite happy with the attention that they're giving to your child. You're not going to assassinate them. And me be happy about it. Because Pastor Herring don't play when it comes to that kind of stuff. You'll hear the thunder of the Lord. And it'll sound a whole lot like my voice. Hallelujah. But if anybody will serve at this church, they're worthy of double honor. Let me tell you the power of being so pure in your spirit about those that you serve God with. When Samuel heard the voice of God, he runs to Eli and he says, Eli, I want everybody to listen to this. 
when Samuel heard the voice of the Lord, he runs to Eli. Uh, and he says, Eli, you called me. And Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. He hears the voice of the Lord again. Samuel gets up and runs back to Eli and says, Eli, you called me. He said, no, I didn't call you, son. Go back to bed. And the Lord is calling for Samuel, calling for Samuel. And every time the Lord voice speaks to Samuel, he gets up and he goes back to Eli. Eli was Samuel's pastor. The voice of the Lord sounded just like his pastor. I've come to date to tell you that you've got to hear the voice of God in your life. And chances are God's going to speak to your pastor God's going to speak to your Sunday school teacher God's going to speak through your youth leaders God's going to speak through our worship minister God's going to speak through them how many here's ever struggled with something during the week you've asked questions during the week you've been battling something during the week and you walked in the door and the person on the piano was singing just the song you needed and the person that was preaching was answering questions that you asked that week and the kids in Sunday school walked out feeling loved and they said I heard it see what Jesus was trying to eliminate in that day and hour was traditions and he was trying to get back the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Huh. Jesus. Jesus said because of tradition you've destroyed the power of God. Look at what you've made You've made the church of none effect. You've made the church just a place of tradition. And so when a drug addict walks in, there's no power. There's just routine. There's just going through the motion. Church, I don't know about you, but I am so sick of tradition. I'm a licensed minister in the United Pentecostal Church International. And I believe, I believe probably more strongly than 80% of the constituents what we believe. I believe it. I'm not backing up. I'm not moving on what I believe. But folks, folks, a church that's been around for 10 years. A church that's been around for 50 years and they're not changing their community. Something is wrong. Ah, if the word is, if the word is, I don't know about that church over there. They just got long hair and big buns. you like big buns, honey, come to a Pentecostal church. Hallelujah. I'm talking about the hairdo people. I can't, can't get it out of my mind. God help me. God help me. I can't get it out of my mind. Stuck in there. I'm just singing a song over and over in my head. I can't get it out.
trying to clear my mind, y'all. I apologize for just I had to get the mic out of my hand. We record these services now, you know. <laughs> Let's go to fourteen twenty-three. Let's see what Gen- Jesus says to the generation. And when he called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entereth into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Let's hit verse 18. Can we do that? And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever things are from without entering through the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, and purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of a man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of a man, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. Thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, and even eye. Blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Jesus was looking at the Pharisees and Sadducees whose robes were dragging the floor. And he was saying to them, What you have on the outside is not as important as what is on the inside. Standards of holiness are not our punch ticket to heaven. Separation from the world is not our punch ticket to heaven. Tell me what good does it do if it's all good on the outside but it's no good on the inside. But on the flip side, I don't want to scare my wife today and have her think I'm going charismatic, baby. I'm not going charismatic. Don't want anybody to think that Brother Herring is backing up. But my grandmother used to tell me when I asked her about standards and I was trying to sort through things myself and my grandmother was just a pure vessel of the Lord. She loved everybody. She didn't talk bad about people. Matter of fact, you would try to talk bad about somebody to my grandmother. I heard it a million times. And she said, well, she said, they're just going through a hard time right now. And a lot of times she'd say, don't you remember when you were going through this and you were going through that? And they come and they'd unload on her and they'd try to pull some venom out of my grandmother. And she said, well, you just, how much have you just been praying about this person? You just need to start maybe just praying about <laughs> It ruined their day because we as apostolics, we love gossip. Oh, it's good. Oh, gossip is better than a Big Mac. Talk. Oh, now I'm not gossiping. 
I'd say it to their face. No, you are gossiping, and you a coward. You wouldn't say it to their face. You know them people. I'd say it to their face. Then why don't you go? Let's get them on the phone. Let's call them up. Yeah, that don't go so well. But my grandmother used to say, honey, we separate ourselves from the world because we are supposed to be salt and light. And when people see us at the grocery, she always said at the grocery, when people see us at the grocery, they identify us with somebody that knows Jesus Christ. And if they have a need, I am an identifiable marker to them that I know how to pray and Jesus knows me and I know him and they can get their miracle. And folks, that's what it's all about. I'm separated from the world because I need to be identified to the world that I know them. And let me tell you what is damaging the church. People that are identified but they don't know Jesus. People that are identified by their tradition, but they have no power. So in that place, they get a bad reputation. Oh, that's just that group of people right there. I ain't just talking about one place. I ain't just talking about two places. I've been from coast to coast. I've been from the Big Apple to the Pineapple. I've been all over, and it's, it's a chronic problem. You know what gives Pentecost a bad name? Traditions without love. And standards without power. People could digest our separation if when they walked through the doors they were delivered of drugs. People could digest our commitment. If when they walk through the doors, their marriages and lives were put back together, Sister Macy, come. People could digest it if we had power. Somebody say amen. Jesus screamed to his generation. Everybody say Jesus screamed to his generation. Y'all listen, let me tell you how the Pharisees and Sadducees were. I preached a little longer today than I usually do, and I apologize. Bobby Wade was here. He got me saying it's okay to preach a little longer. Hallelujah. Let me tell you how jacked up these Pharisees and Sadducees were. There was a man that laid by the gate called Beautiful. His whole life he was lame. He yelled every day as the Pharisees and Sadducees walked by to go to the temple to pray. Give me alms. Peter walks by. Says, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. Take up thy bed and walk. And the man that was lame by the gate gets up and walks and goes into the temple. People see it. They're amazed. There's a conversion of 5,000 people almost that day. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, they throw them in jail. Because the authenticity 
of a relationship with Christ scared them to death to where they said we have to assassinate that person. We have to take them out. And I know why tradition is easy. And I know why going through the motions is easy. And I know why holding on to a portion of your heart is easy. Because the assassination comes. Because the cross comes with the relationship of Jesus Christ. Because when I say, okay, I'm not satisfied with tradition. I got to put things away. There's a cross. That comes with that. Jesus said to his disciples, I forget the scripture, it's in my notes somewhere here. He said, Hey guys, my hometown of Nazareth, I couldn't do very many powerful things. Check this out, listen to what he said. He said, I couldn't do very many powerful things except heal a few people. But we're going to move on. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you, when you depart, then shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Listen to what Jesus said. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Folks, the cross... Is what has power. The cross is what has authority. The cross is what gets people delivered. The cross is what gets you through the hard times. The cross. Come today to tell Christ's life. We're not going to be a traditional church. We're going to be a cross church. I don't care. We're not going to judge anybody. We're going to love everybody. I don't care where you look in this book. The Bible says we ought to catch the fish. It doesn't say anything about us cleaning up the fish. Matter of fact, Jesus said, Love covers a multitude of sins. You know what people want more than anything? They want to find a church of people that love them for who they are. A church that loves them for what they are. That's easy to say from the pulpit, but when we actually get there huh they got that meth addiction it's hard to love them they got that addiction to anger it's hard to love them they've been hurt in the past so much so that anytime you try to get close they shut you down it's hard to love them 
what if this church tucked away off Nail Road was a church that when people came, they saw nail-scarred hands? <laughs> what if this church tucked away off Nail Road was a place where somebody who was absolutely despondent in life didn't know what their next step was going to be. They walked through the doors of this church and they just felt God loving them. And they said, I don't know what it is about them white folks over there. I don't know what it is about them black folks over there. I don't know what it is about that church that's got more kids in it than it's got adults. But I just feel love there. Oh, what if out of this house there was just love that poured out of the doors, love that just poured into the streets, and people just feel loved and loved and loved? That's what a loving church is. That's not what a traditional church is. See, Zacchaeus, (laughs) he was a backslider. He was a betrayer of his faith. But there came a time in his life. He didn't say, I want to change. He didn't even say, I want to do better. All he said was, I want to see Jesus. And that thing that was in Zacchaeus' heart that just said, I just want to see him caused Jesus to call him by first name. Zacchaeus, you come down because I have to go to your house. If in this house today somebody just said, I just want to see more of them Jesus would say I gotta come to your house I'm not perfect I don't even feel like being here I'm just here but I just want to see more of you today Jesus will say I gotta come to your house I gotta come to your house I don't care if you're hooked on drugs I don't care if your life is a mess I don't care what's going on if you'll just say I need to see more Jesus will say I gotta come to your house I got a scripture somewhere in these notes. And the Pharisees, the who's who. And the Sadducees, the who's who. They peek over. And they ask the disciples, why does he only sit with the publicans, the traitors that work for the Roman Empire? Why does he only sit with them and sinners? Hey, hey, how you think Jesus got a, a lunch date with the publicans? Huh? There was a man named Zacchaeus that had a conversion that set up a lunch that said, hey, all my sinner and publican friends, come on. Sounds a whole lot like Republican, don't it? Come on! Come on! See Jesus. Folks, there's two things that I want more than anything 
for you to receive today out of this sermon. Number one is for you to understand you're not perfect. But all you got to do is have something inside that says, I just want to see more of Jesus. Uh, And the second thing, if you've had that conversion, is for you to walk out of this house with feeling such great love and great privilege and say, you know what? I want everybody to see Jesus. Let's all come to the altar today. And I want you to commit to seeing more of Jesus today. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Come on, if you've been raised in tradition, if you're used to tradition, hallelujah. Oh, come on. You've been raised in the Baptist faith or the church of God in Christ's faith. Or the Pentecostal faith, faith of great tradition, it's okay, but come on, this is a church where we love the Lord. Ah. In this place, come on. Have your yeah. way. Show us your glory. Come on, we're gonna get more of it today. Show us your glory.